Hey, y'all clap every other week. Why? <laughs> Weird. Hey, my name is Peyton. If I've not met you, I get to be the pastor here at this church. And uh, man, what about the worship team this morning? I tell you. Hang on one second here. Sorry, I know this is awkward. I forgot to ask somebody to bring this out to me earlier. I was trying to get Eric's attention, our guitarist, but he kept looking the other way. Hey, so let me just tell you something about that Sons and Daughters song that I, I, I love and I need to share with you. Is, um, because I think it's so relevant, certainly for me, but I think it is relevant for a lot of us. That I love that bridge that says, when the lies speak louder than the truth, remind me that I belong to you. Because how many of you have sometimes trouble fighting the lies that maybe I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough? Can I love Jesus and be this jacked up at the same time? And so I just love that. And they're going to be singing it again at the end. And I want to hear you belting that out. I'd love for, uh, I'd love for Market Street to call the law on us for a noise ordinance, okay? So let's see if we can make that happen at the end. But we are in part four, uh, week four, installment four of this series called Storymaker. And today we are talking about questions and critics. And, and really, I'm going to piggyback off in a lot of ways... Um, not of his story, but of this kind of just format when it comes to telling our story. Who all enjoyed Cody's sharing his story last week? Let's give him some love for that. Yeah, it's always a great thing to share our story. And uh, Cody, part three, we called it a simple story, but I loved it. He said it's got some complex turns in it, and all of our stories do. Um, there's some complexities there. There's some things that are embarrassing. There are some things there that we'd rather not share with people. There's some things there that we'd rather not have went through. But today, what I want to do is I want to help you. Listen, we're going to turn the table today. Here's what I need you to. I need you to know this. I'm fired up this morning. I woke up fired up this morning. I can't tell if it feels like spring or fall out there, but either way, it doesn't feel like summer, and I like it. Okay, it feels good. So I just woke up this morning feeling good. And here's what I'm excited about because today is a turning point for you. Today is a turning point for you. We've been talking in this Storymaker series that God is the maker of our story and that everybody has a story. Some stories are different. Some stories um, are taking longer to being written. Some stories, uh, there's just all kinds of different angles to them. But I've been telling you that God is the maker of our story, that he's writing it. And that is true. But today the game changes because I want to share this thought with you that you are the story maker. You are the story maker. And what I mean by that is God is writing the story, but you are making it. You're carrying it out. I shared this with our volunteer service, and I don't know why, but like, who's ready for Christmas? I'm just kidding. I normally don't even talk about Christmas. I know it's weird, and I hate when people do that, and now you're going to unfriend me on Facebook. It's okay. <laughs> but during two years ago for a Christmas service, it is so weird that I'm talking about Christmas, but um, this wasn't planned. But two years ago at a Christmas service, you know, we, a lot of times you hear during Christmas that he's the reason for this season, right? He meaning Jesus. But Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He came to save us. He came to reach us. Listen, Christmas is coming, buddy. Okay, I promise. <laughs> You're not getting charcoal this year. It says that, you know, he's the reason for this season. But Jesus came for us. So what I did was I interposed this thought that said, what if... I'm the reason for the season. And people did not like it. And they were churchy. And I even got message, you know, you're so arrogant, blah, 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 blah. But it was a church person that said it, you know. But it's the truth, honestly. We are why he came. And he is writing our story. So listen to me, and I'm speaking this humbly. We are the story makers. He writes it, but we make it happen here on earth because Jesus said we're like a city on a hill that can't be hidden to go out and do our good deeds so that our Father may be glorified. That's how we got our church name, City Lights Church, Matthew 5, 14 through 16. 
So basically, we're supposed to be little Christ, little Jesuses in our homes, where we live, work, and play. And so we are the story maker. And here's what I want you to know today. Everybody in here has a story. Everybody in here has a story to share, and it's a simple story. I'm going to share the format with you, and by the end of the day, this is what you're going to be able to do. You're going to learn how to share your story. You're going to learn how to to deal with the questions that you don't have the answers to when it comes to sharing your faith, because a lot of times people are like, hey, I'm not a theologian. I don't know what's going on in Revelations. I can't tell if that's true or if it's, uh, you know, is it fiction or nonfiction? And, um, you know, I, I don't know everything about the Old Testament. And there's a lot of things I don't know. We're going to teach you uh, today practically how do you deal with that and how do you deal with criticism because it comes. I guarantee no one in here has been persecuted for their faith like our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world, but you may catch the stink eye. You may get made fun of or you may, you know, there might be some skepticism. So this may be what I believe, listen to me, the most practical message yet of this series. It may hopefully also be the most helpful. This is, you're not, I'm gonna tell you what's not gonna happen today. You're not gonna leave here today and be like, oh my God, he blew my mind with that. He just went so deep into the Greek and it was crazy. That's not, that's not happening today. But what is gonna happen is, I'm gonna get this mic fixed and then I'm gonna help you learn how to share your story, to work through that and to deal with the questions and critics. Now, before we continue, I need to ask you a couple questions. Hold this. Thanks, man. <laughs> How many of you love a good crime show? Yes. Good crime shows. How many of you? Now, listen, can I get real for a minute? Are there any kids in here? Okay, good. One gentleman in the back said he is. <laughs> Sir, that's not true. You may be a child of God, but. I like those crime shows where it's like gory, you know? I, and I, here's what I really, I like the documentaries. I'm not talking like Law and Order. I, we used to watch Law and Order, SUV all the time, but I like the stuff where, this is what I like, okay? And just don't judge me. I like the stuff that shows like, kind of like, okay. I want to see like the blood and guts, but I don't want to see, you know what I mean? Like I have, there's a little tension because like I know it's gory, but like I'll be watching like this and then, you know, open my eyes real quick. I want to see the nasty stuff. And I know it's wrong and it's morbid and pastors shouldn't do stuff like that. But I just, those are the kind of types of shows I like. But something that for a long time I've been hooked on is this show right here. The first 48, whoever watches it. Come on, give me some love. Give me some I shared this with our volunteers. Um, I love being a pastor, and I listen to me. I pray that God allows me to die do this. This is, this is it. This is my calling. I love it. It's hard. It's tough. It's more than just speaking for 30 minutes on a Sunday, contrary to what some of you may believe, but I love it. This is it. Um, I get to do this. It's ridiculous that someone like me would get to do this, but it's a great privilege to serve you and just to do this, and I hope that I die. It would be weird, but preaching on stage would be awesome. So... <laughs> I just love this, but there is another part of me that was like, hey, if I wasn't a pastor, and this is weird because of my past, but I would love to be the popo. Uh, there was a part of me that like, I have a family that's in law enforcement, and like I vicariously live through them. I will call them sometimes. They work here in the city, and I'll be like, hey, I mean, tell me some dirt going on here in town. What's going on? Who's getting arrested? What's happening? Tell me some good stuff. And I love this show because if you don't know what it's about, the 30-second synopsis or 10-second is that uh, there's this statistic out there, and I'm not quoting it exactly right, but basically once these detectives get a call for um, a homicide or whatever, if they don't solve the case in the first 48 hours, that statistically it goes down by X amount of percentage and it helps, you know, cause it to be harder to watch the case. 
And I love it, or you solve the case. So when they, when they show up, they'll get a call, you know, and it's, 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 uh, it's a documentary. Um, they'll show up and the clock starts ticking down, you know, 48. And I'm like, all right, here we go. And I love, like, I'll watch it every night, man. Uh, I'll lay in bed and my wife, she can't, she, she's okay with it, but she'd rather watch Forensic Files. But the only reason she'd rather watch Forensic Files is because the guy that narrates that, his voice is a little bit deeper and it puts her to sleep easier. So it's not because she's passionate about it like I am the first 48. There's my wife, hey. Yeah. I, do you sneak in here? Isn't it funny to be afraid of a five-foot woman like that? <laughs> what I love about it is um, it's just messy. I watched one last night. And it was really gruesome. It was about the serial killer in Kansas City. But here's what's crazy about all this is they will, you know, they can find like DNA evidence. They can find... Um, physical evidence. They can find tons, they can have tons of circumstantial evidence. They can take this to the jury to prosecute. But what is the one thing that even if you have physical evidence, and you got to be, you got to be tracking with me to get where I'm going here. If, if everybody has a bunch of physical evidence, what is the one thing that could actually overturn that? An eyewitness testimony. Why? because there's power in a testimony, right? It's irrefutable. Now, it goes both ways. So they could have a ton of DNA evidence. They can say, yeah, we know for sure that at some point this person was in here, and I can come along and say, you know what? I know for a fact they weren't there when you said they were because we were out to eat together or, or whatever. And so that the testimony can often trump the evidence, Right? Or it's the other way around. There can be a killer and there's like no evidence and they think they got away with it scot-free and then the next thing you know, Granny Smith across the street at 2 a.m. was up and she was peeking out the window and she saw Bubba shoot the gun. And her testimony can actually convict him. Isn't it crazy the power of a testimony? It's like one person can share a story that can either set you free or put you away. Do you know why that's so? Because there is, well, you just said it a minute ago, there is power in our testimonies. There's power in testimony. And what I wanna help you do today is learn this, that you are powerful if you will share your story. Now don't be going not killing somebody and then using that as an excuse to do your testimony. But you have power in it and it's a simple story and here's the format, okay? It's so easy. Before Jesus, I, I met Jesus, now I. So for example, before Jesus, I was addicted to drugs and lost. I met Jesus, he healed me, and now I'm found, right? It's so simple, but we make it so complex because we feel like we have to have this great theological statement to share our faith. And it's just before Jesus, I, I met him, and now this, and maybe it was, hey, before Jesus, I was really stingy. I met Jesus, and now I'm generous. Before Jesus, I was very afraid. I met him, and now I feel brave. But we make it like so sophisticated, don't we? I think there's this, this great example in the New Testament. It's in John chapter nine. Now listen, again, this is a little bit more scripture than I normally use, but I believe you're smart. You appear to at least look smart, so I think you'll be able to follow along with me. What I don't want you to do is don't get locked in on every single detail. Just again, try to pull back and pay attention to the bigger picture um, of scripture. 
We're gonna teach on some of it. We're gonna take some, some notes on some things. So I wanna encourage you to write some things down. But again, when you leave, you're gonna be able to handle questions. You're gonna be able to handle the critics. And you're gonna learn how to tell your testimony because there's power in a testimony. Who all remembers the old Hensleys up by the four-way up in Norris? Used to be a grocery store there. Some of you? Um, who was here a couple weeks ago when I shared a, uh, a story about working at a grocery store and buying beer and stuff like that? This one has to do with stealing beer, only I didn't steal it. I worked at Hensley's when I was about 14 years old. We were, it was almost closing time. What I'm talking about is if you go up towards Norris, if you guys know where that is, the Andersonville area, there used to be an old grocery store right there called Hensley's. I used to work there when I was 14. It was almost closing time. I'm doing a little stalking, and I see this guy come running around the corner with a 12-pack of beer. And I see, him, I see him run right out. And, you know, I'm like watching him the whole time. I'm not going to stop him, but I'm just watching him. <laughs> and I, so I go tell my manager, I was like, hey, this guy just stole some beer. You know, so they immediately, you know, I think they called, maybe it was Norris Cop, the county, something like that. Well, l- honestly, like five minutes later, they catch the guy. He crashes on 441 going towards Halls. So they call back to my manager and they're like, hey, we've caught this guy. Was there a witness? And the manager was like, Yes, there was. And I was like, no, there wasn't. I didn't see nothing. So they bring the guy back, and it's like right at dusk time. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever been a part of this or if you've ever seen this, but the guy's sitting in the back of the cop car, and he basically looks like a really drunk Nick Nolte. And I don't even know if you know who Nick Nolte is, but his hair is messed up. He's got no shirt on. It's it's the best recollection that I have. (coughs) Excuse me. He gets out of the car and they shine a really bright light in his face. Do you know why? So he can't see me. And they're, they're the, I've got a cop standing beside me and the cop's over there and he's handcuffed. And they ask me, son, is this the man you saw? And the whole time he's going, no. <laughs> and so I looked back at him and said, yes, that's him. And he was arrested because of my testimony. There's power in your testimony. Today, when you leave, you're going to learn how to say, before Jesus, I was this, I met Jesus, and now I'm this, and I can handle the questions, and you can bring on the critics. If you are ready to hear a word from God, come on, say, I am. All right. So we're in John chapter 9. Here's what's happened. We're going to go quickly, so we got to keep going. John chapter 9, there's this blind man that's been healed by Jesus. Jesus walks up on the scene. He sees the blind man, though the blind man can't see him. How true is that today? You may not be physically blind, but a lot of times you're spiritually blind, and Jesus still sees you. Jesus spits on some mud, rubs it together, puts it on his eyes, tells him to go wash off, and the man is healed, okay? Now what's happening is just a little bit after getting healed, he's around some people that begin to ask him some questions. Jesus has healed this blind man We pick up our story in John chapter nine, verse eight. It says, his neighbors and others, say this word with me, who knew him, we're gonna try it one more time. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and And some said he was, and others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, it's me. I am the same one. Verse 10 says, they ask, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made my, excuse me, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Shalom, which means sent, and wash yourself. Now listen to this, listen to what he said. So I went and washed, and now I can see. 
So here's, here's a little note if you take notes. It said that people already knew him. So then who do we share our story with? People I already know. People I already know. I want to show you something. I think a lot of times when it comes to, when it comes to um, evangelism, that we have a couple thoughts in mind. We either, we think of people like, we think of this idea of like people that come and knock on your door and they, you open the door and they've got a Bible and they're wearing like a suit and tie and you think that's like, okay. So when you hear guys like me say, you need to share your story, you probably think of a couple different things. You think of like cold knocking on people's door and sharing scriptures and stuff that doesn't even make sense. Or you think of, uh, I asked this in our volunteer service, and not a lot of people had, had seen what I was talking about, but have you guys ever been down to Market Square in downtown and seen those guys that preach down there on Market Square? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And that one guy, he like, he's like, read the scripture, brother. And the guy reads the scripture, and this guy over here, then he interprets it, and it's just weird because it's, you know, it's just like, you know. Yeah, it's just weird. Like, you know, like I'm like, we're, there was a group of us were walking by and they're like, you need Jesus. And I was like, bro, I'm an ordained pastor. I mean, that doesn't mean I don't need Jesus, but I know who you're talking about. Just weird stuff going on. Or, or we had this idea of like these people that like hold picket signs and there's stuff like this. Now this was a last minute idea. So just don't blame me for the creativity. Okay. It's people that hold signs that say, you know, they stand out in the street corner and say, turn or burn brother. This one's got some kind of chocolate on the back, but, or another one says like, you know, you're going to get saved or microwaved, right? <laughs> or you see, you know, you think the old school says you better get right or you'll get left. <laughs> or you've seen these people that picket funerals and you can fill in the word says God hates what God hates. Don't say it out loud. I'm just saying God hates. So we feel like we have to be, when it comes to sharing our story, we're like, man, I'm not standing out on Market Street holding up, get right or you'll get left. I'm not doing that. And you know why you shouldn't? Because it's not effective and it's not 1990 anymore, okay? What that we see in this scripture is there were people that already knew the blind man asking the question. So who you should be sharing your story with is people that you already know. How many of you know it doesn't make sense to go up to Walmart to meet the cashier and, and just drop a Jesus bomb on them? That's not very effective. That's called spiritual whiplash when people bring Jesus up out of nowhere and you're not ready for it. He says they already knew him. So here's this. They knew what he looked like before and they, he had been so changed by Jesus. You remember what they said? They're like, hey, this isn't the same guy. This isn't him. And some were like, yeah, it is. And others were like, no, it's not. And he's like, hey, yes, it is me. And so how many of you know, though, this, that when you hung out with people before you followed Jesus and you now are still in a relationship with them, sometimes that's the hardest people to share your faith with because they saw you at your worst. It's tough, right? And you feel ineffective and you feel like you don't have a foot to stand on. But you're going to see it's just a simple story that we're telling. So listen, who you share your story with is people you already know. You don't have to be weird and super spiritual and hold picket signs and go knock on people's doors. It doesn't make sense and it's not effective. God has already put a people in your, in your group around you and so you begin to share it with people that you already know. As we continue the story, it says, <clears throat> the, the, the church people, the Pharisees, they're asking about Jesus. It says, where is he now, they ask. And look, he doesn't even know everything. He's like, I don't know, he replied. Then they took the man who had been blind 
to the Pharisees, basically they're taking him to church people. And how many of you know church people will jack stuff up really bad when Jesus has a plan? They took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. The Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, listen to what he told them. He put the mud over my eyes, let me hear, and when I washed it away, let me hear, I could see. I want you to go back. I read it fast. I want you to see it. And I want you to say this third word with me. The Pharisees asked. They asked. And so he told them. He put the mud over his eyes, washed it away. I could see. He basically said, hey, before I met Jesus, I was blind. I met him. Now I can see. So when do we share our story? When the door is open. When people ask us. That's what I was talking about, the spiritual whiplash, when you go out with people sometimes and they just randomly like throw Jesus into the equation. You're talking about something completely different. You're like, that's, you're weird, dude. And I believe in Jesus too, but stop that. You don't force the conversation. And that's not what sharing your faith is about. It's not about throwing Jesus down someone's neck. It says these people, they begin to ask questions and that's when he responded, when the door is open. Now listen, the door may open at different times, but most likely you've got to be ready for that. You can't just force it. Now honestly, this too, as you, get, as you begin to get more familiar with sharing your story, there's ways for you to make sure that you kind of try to knock on the door and to get it open. But you don't just come right out and start telling someone, hey, let me tell you all about my story because it just makes us, it seems weird, Right? And it is weird if we're talking about people that don't know Jesus. I hear all kinds of crazy God stories and I get the weirdness and I kind of like it because I know Jesus too and I know what it's like to have those weird God stories. But we only share our story when the door is open because it becomes ineffective if we try to do it any other way. So we carry on, it says, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, talking about Jesus, for he is working on the Sabbath. There again, there's this, so that back then these Pharisees, they, they were so um, religious and so oriented on works that they missed the grace of God. And, and today, I said this a couple of weeks ago, it's this concept of sometimes church people can be so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. He's working on the Sabbath. And the other said, but how can an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? Again, they're talking about Jesus. Now, could you imagine this? There was a deep division of opinion among the church people. That don't even seem right to me, honestly. Church split 101 right here in John 9, 16. Over Jesus, nonetheless. Verse 17. It says, Then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, What's your opinion about this man who healed you? Verse 17. The man replied, Look, I think he must be a prophet. I mean, I'm not even really sure. I don't know everything yet. I'm just figuring this out, Mr. Church people. <laughs> Verse 18 says, the Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see. So they called his parents. He must have been in City Kids. <laughs> they threw his number up on the screen. <laughs> Made him do the walk of shame. So they called his parents, not teen. Let me hear. The Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been born blind and could now see, so they called his parents. So here we see the first bit of criticism. Criticism happens when people haven't experienced it. When people haven't experienced what you've been through, they don't understand it. 
And it, said, it flat out said the Pharisees refused to accept it. Though everybody else around was like, hey, this is the dude that sat here blind begging. He met Jesus and now he can see. And they're like, no, that did not happen. It didn't happen. And you're going to encounter some criticism in your life when people haven't experienced what you've gone through. That's why you have to wait. I'm not saying it's a systematic approach that you share with people you know. You wait for doors to be open. I'm just giving you some practical advice because if people haven't experienced what you've been through, how can they fully understand what Jesus has done in you? And you need to be prepared for that. If, they've not, if, if God's not healed them, if he's not transformed them by the renewing of their mind, if he's not mended a marriage, if he's not brought something back from death to life, if they don't believe you may face some criticism. People may refuse to believe what you're going through. They may refuse to accept, hey, no, man, that's just called life. That's not called God. And you need to be prepared for that. If they've not experienced it, they will not understand it. And you remember what Jesus said at the foot of the cross, which is pretty freaking remarkable to people that were intentionally punishing him. He just said, God, forgive them. Father, forgive them. They, they don't even know what they're doing. And that's where you have to extend the love of the cross is when people haven't experienced it and they criticize you, you just have to say, God, I understand that they've, They've not experienced you yet. And if you were really, really in love with Jesus, you might pray right then that, Father, would you allow them to experience what I'm going through? I want them to know you just as much as I want to know you. That's the heart of any believer. It should be that I'd love my neighbor as myself. What I want from you, God, I want everybody to experience. So these men, they, they, had, they couldn't understand it because they hadn't experienced it. So criticism will come when the Father does something in you that nobody else has ever experienced. Verse 19 says, they ask him, excuse me, they ask him, talking about, they're talking to his parents. Is this your son? Was he born blind? And if so, how can he see? His parents replied, we know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid. They were afraid. It's important. You know, they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. So criticism happens when fear is in charge. Criticism happens when fear is in charge. And I'm going to kind of throw a couple different angles, and you're going to have to hang with me because I'm going to work through it fast. But let me ask back this way, and I, you can either raise your hand or you can just do it inside your heart, however you want to do it. How many of you sometimes you won't share your story because you're, you're afraid? And it could be numerous things. You could be afraid of what people are going to say. You could be afraid that you have no idea what you're going to say or how you're going to sound when you say it. Or they're going to ask you a question that you don't have an answer to? Or that they're going to criticize you? Your own criticism, other people's criticism happens when fear is in charge. Now, these, this woman, her parents, they couldn't even defend her son because they were afraid of church people, basically. And so when we live by fear, not only are we going to invite criticism, but we're going to build it up for ourselves as well. And I think for a lot of people, one of, the, one of the greatest things that we struggle with is fear when it comes to sharing our faith. It is the fear of that we're going to be criticized. It is the fear of, man, I don't even, I don't even know how to do this. 
Like, do you have to be a professional to do this? I mean, is this even my job to do this? And listen, let me tell you what this blind man has been saying all along. You're going to see it a couple more times. It's a simple story. The blind man said this, listen, I was blind, I met Jesus, and now I can see. I love when they ask who did it. He was like, I think he's a prophet, but I'm not even really sure which indicates he didn't know everything about Jesus. He just knew what Jesus had done for him because that testimony is irrefutable. You and I, I can, we can quote these verses all day long and we can debate them, but what you have no right to irrefute or debate is what God's done for me. It's my testimony. It's powerful in it. It even puts you away for stealing beer in Hensley's. <laughs> so don't forget it. So criticism, it happens when fear is in charge, when people are fearful of change and not understanding what God's doing, there'll be some criticism. When fear is in charge, you won't share your story, but how many of you know you've not been given a spirit of fear or a spirit of timidity? I love the song we just sang, I'm no longer a slave to fear. Sometimes I wonder, and I'm guilty of this, like, do we, do we even know what we're singing do you even know? I, I love the line in there. He says, you split the sea so I could walk right through it. Jesus didn't split it so you could stand on one side and look over the other and be fearful. Jesus didn't split it so you could sit, sit over here and just live in your story and not share it. He split it so we could walk right through it to get to the other side. Sometimes you gotta just stop praying about things and start doing things. Could you imagine if God split that sea for them, the Israelites were standing on this side and were like, well, I'm just going to pray about how I'm going to get over there. <laughs> Christians say some of the dumbest stuff sometimes. You're like, I'll just pray about it. And I was like, no, you better do something about it. There's a time to pray and there's a time to act. What I'm telling you today is stop praying about what you should be doing and just start doing it. We've not been given a spirit of fear. That's not from God. That's of you. Don't let that charge your life. Don't let that challenge you to, to, the, to the point to where you succumb to it and you don't share what God is doing. And I need to share this because this is something that's kind of been reoccurring that we're hearing, and I'm glad. Sometimes we feel like our story doesn't matter because it's not a story of great conquering of addiction. Or sometimes our story is like, hey, I didn't triumph over some crazy tragedy. My wife and kids died and I made it through it and now I'm, sometimes people feel like their story is boring. Sometimes they feel like it's not meaningful because it's not really dirty and messy to which if that's you, I would say you ought to just thank the father that you didn't go through those things. But every story matters. Every story matters because God's writing your story. For you to say it's boring, it doesn't matter. You're really talking more about him than you are about you. We'll continue on. So they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Criticism happens. Silence happens when we let fear take charge. Verse 23. So that's why they said. They were afraid of the Jewish leaders. That's why they said, he's old enough, ask him. This is John 9, 24. It says, so for the second time, they called in the man. Because see, listen, sometimes people are going to hear your story. And you're going to tell them, hey, I was blind, I met Jesus, now I see. And they're not going to understand it, so they're going to be like, hey, 
So now what happened again? So they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this. Amen. These guys were really, they were smart, but they were legalists. And they missed the point of who Jesus was. Because we know this man, Jesus, let me hear for a minute, is a sinner. Jesus was called a sinner, a drunkard. He hung out with prostitutes. He lived a, did a lot of bad things. I'm pretty sure that if you face any criticism, Jesus feared, he faced a lot more. And most likely, if you're living a life for Jesus, you're going to get called some things too. So let's just put up our big boy pants and our big girl panties and deal with it, okay? <laughs> if they call Jesus that, then we should expect the same. He's a sinner, verse 25. I look, look, I look at this. Listen to what this guy right here. I love this. Look, I don't know everything about him, he said. I don't know everything about Jesus. I can't quote all these scriptures. I've never read the whole Bible. I only go to church every now and then. I, you know, I don't even know like the difference between God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus. And there's different translations of the Bible. You say? I mean, I, I, I don't know everything. Listen, don't raise your hand. But if that's you right now and you can relate to this man, just say, "God, that's me," because He hears you. I, I, look, I don't know whether he is a sinner. I don't know if he's a prophet. I mean, I think he is. The man replied, but look, but I know this. I was blind. I met Jesus. Now I can see. It's a simple story, and you don't have to have all the answers. And you know what? You're not going to have all the answers. So when you face these questions that you don't have the answers to, you just say, I don't know, man, but let me tell you something. I was blind. I met Jesus and now I can see. So then, so when we face questions, when we face criticism, when we don't have all the answers, we ask this question, what should I say? And the answer is, I just share my story. It's my story. You can't debate it and you can't take it away from me because my Jesus did it for me. Amen? So when I don't know what to do, when I don't have all the answers, when people are criticizing me, I just share my simple story. For the blind man, he said it a hundred times. Hey, I don't know everything, but this is what I do know. I was blind. I met this man named Jesus and now I can see it's a simple story. And you know what? You're going to face questions and you're going to face critics. But now, hopefully, for those of you who've been hanging with me, you see it's so easy to just share your story. And it's, you know what? I just want to just, I wish I could just speak over you and say, hey, you don't have to know everything. In fact, you're better off if you don't. You just share what God has done for you. And do you realize that's what's going to change the world? Not great music, not great lights, not great kids ministry, though we want all of those things. What's going to grow this church, what makes disciples, what's going to make people be like, hey man, I want to come worship where you're at, is when you leave today and this week and you tell your story of what God is doing. Hey, I've not been to church in forever, but I heard this message today and now I'm going to give Jesus another chance. Hey, you know what? I, I would say that I believed in God, but I've really met Jesus and now I'm learning everything to seek him more. It's a simple story. You don't have to make it complex and all you have to do when you don't even know what else to say is just share 
my story. It's my story. It may not be yours, and that's okay. But I want to pull back one more time to the people out there that are like, you know what? My story's just boring. I didn't go to jail. I didn't overcome drugs. I wasn't, you know, beat up and nearly died. And a reminder, just thank God for that. It's okay if you do that. But your story matters. No, how, no, it doesn't matter how boring or how big, how small or how significant. Your story matters. And this is why it matters. Don't miss this. Because God is writing your story. It's coming from Him. And somebody needs to know it. Somebody needs to hear it. But they can't hear it unless you share it. Your story matters. And I'll just to believe it or not the church people actually begin to argue with this guy again after he says this which again is just surprising why church people would even do that but I want you to look what this man says to them as it as he, he shares this hey I met Jesus I don't know everything man just let me I'm just trying to figure this out on my own my own pace they basically are like no this can't be Jesus sinner you know this didn't happen they demand 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 just a couple verses later, verse 32. This is the blind man speaking. He said, ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of, let me hear, someone born blind. I mean, that's common sense. This guy's not quoting scripture here. He just knows. Because when you meet Jesus, there are some things that you begin to know. When you encounter him, there are some things that you begin to know. He says, listen, no one has been able to do this. No one who's been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. This is what he says, 33. Couldn't have done it if this man, he's talking of Jesus, were not from God. He couldn't have done it. You need to know today that whatever happens in your story only happened because God did it. It only happened because God did it. Not because you did it, but because he did it. Because he loved you in spite of you. Because he chose you because he saw that you were living out something and he began the day that you met him, he began to change it and write a different story. I love it. He says, if this man were not from God, if Jesus were not his son, he couldn't have done it. And I guess I wanted to tell you this, that no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how seemingly small or seemingly significant, only God could do it. Because how many of you know on your best day, I can't even make it through traffic lights without cussing somebody out. You feel me? Only God could do what he's doing in you. Only God could do it. And he just wants you to say, hey, to the world, but starting with just the people you know, hey, and I was blind. I met Jesus. And now I can see know everything else and I'm okay with that we have this tendency when we begin to follow Jesus whether we're new in the faith no matter where we're at when we're older in our faith there's some lies that really speak to us right there's some lies like hey man am I living this story am I good enough do I deserve this Does God really love me? Because I've been jacked up and I've turned away from him a lot of times. Over the same thing a lot of times. And I just wanted to tell you, let's just pick it up. Go ahead and let's just pick it up a little bit. That sons and daughters, when the lies speak louder than the truth, God reminds us that we belong to him. 
Revelation says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So we are overcomers. We are reminded every time we share our simple story that, hey, I was blind, I met Jesus, and now I can see. So to be an overcomer, you got to share what you've overcome. We don't believe the lies. We trust that God reminds us that no matter what we're going through, that we belong to Him and that our story is beautifully being written by Him. If you agree with that, let's celebrate it. Hey, this is Pastor Peyton, and I just wanted to personally say thank you for connecting with us on our podcast and listening to today's message. I pray that God spoke to you. I pray that you're hearing Him, that God is showing you the way and His plan for your life and how great that is. And more importantly, I hope that you take what you learn and you put it into action where you live, work, and play. Again, thank you so much, and God bless you.